0: So often for me, I turn that around. I say, listen, Lord, for your servant is speaking. But that's the wrong way. And uh, obviously there's way too much noise in the world right now. And Christians sometimes get involved in that. and, And the noise does not contribute necessarily to building the kingdom of God. It often distracts from that. So we're not to react, not to overreact, but be still. And when we do that, we can double down on the promises of God, like Isaiah 46, where God says, Even to your old age and gray hairs, I will sustain you. I will carry you. I will rescue you. I am God. There's no other. My purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. You may have noticed that uh, this series is brought to you by the number 46. In Psalm 46, we're encouraged to have faith at the end of the world. In Isaiah 46, we're encouraged to have faith at the end of the empire. And today in Genesis 46, we're encouraged to have faith at the end of our lives. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the experiences, real life experiences, it depicts so clearly, and how we can identify with these people. We make the same mistakes, and yet the same God is there to forgive us and help us and restore us and renew us. So we thank you for that, and uh, look forward to what you have to say for us through your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 46, the first three verses. So Israel set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision that night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. Very similar to Samuel. I am the God, the God of your father, he said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. So in this chapter, we're near the end of Jacob's life. And it certainly had been a most eventful one. It was filled with suspense and plot twists, with espionage and counter with tremendous disappointments, but also great blessings. It was a fascinating life. It could have been another episode for Lord of the Rings. A year ago, I did a series of messages on Jacob called The Blessing, because that was what his whole life was all about, the search for the blessing. That was his precious. The problem was that Jacob was not legally entitled to the blessing. He was the silver medalist. That was his second-born identity. His older brother, Esau, was the gold medalist. Therefore, he was legally entitled to the blessing. And there would be no recount. The Supreme Court could not overturn that decision. But Esau was the wrong man for that honor. He was a spiritual Neanderthal, a carnivore dominated by carnal appetites, Why he was willing to sell his birthright for a bowl of soup. He had little interest In the kingdom of God. Not like Jacob who was driven by spiritual aspirations. And God agreed. Jacob should receive the blessing. Will receive the blessing. The blessing that was originally given to his grandfather Abraham. But God didn't reveal how this is going to happen. And so Jacob got tired of waiting And with the help of his mother, went to the wardrobe and makeup department, disguised himself as Esau, and deceived his father into bestowing the blessing on him. Because when God doesn't show up, you have to take matters into your own hands. And it worked. Don't you love it when a plan comes together? Jacob achieved the right goal, but using the wrong tactics. And so there were serious consequences. It was hunting season, and Jacob had to run for his life. And as a fugitive, he didn't feel very blessed. In fact, for the rest of his life, Jacob would be struggling with his circumstances. The only factor in his favor was the promise of God. Although he didn't deserve it, God was watching over Jacob. And that was reinforced by a live-streaming dream he had of a stairway to heaven with angels ascending and descending, reporting for duty. He was not alone. The universe was on his side. So what could possibly go wrong? Things were beginning to look up. In fact, at the end of that long journey It seemed like Jacob had reached the gates of heaven because he saw the most beautiful angel of all, Rachel. And it was love at first sight. So what's a guy got to do to get a girl in this town? Well, in that town, you had to work for her father for seven years. Did you say years? Seven years? Sure, no problem. In fact, that was likely the best time of his entire life. But those seven years of anticipation ended with the greatest shockwave to hit the Middle East since that meteorite shower back in the Stone Age. Because in the morning, there was Leah, not Rachel. That's not Rachel. That's Leia. no, I've been conned. I've been scammed. Who would do something like that to your own family? Who would deceive their own family? Who? Mirror, mirror on the wall. As Steve Urkel would say, did I do that? And that's when things really got complicated because Jacob ended up with two wives, two surrogates, and 12 sons. And they could have had their own reality show, the real housewives of Mesopotamia, because it was a real mess. And it only got worse. Tensions escalated between Jacob and his scheming father-in-law. And again, Jacob was forced to flee for his life with a posse on his tail. And that's when he found himself between Iraq and a hard place. Because Esau was coming from the south with heavily armed men. So he had his father-in-law up the road and his brother down the road. Could it get any worse? Life was just one struggle after another. I can't get a break. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. In fact, that night he had the greatest struggle of all. Someone came out of the shadows and had ambushed him. And they fought all night until Jacob finally realized who his opponent was. He had been wrestling with God himself, the Son of God, in one of his Old Testament appearances. And that really was the story of Jacob's life. He's struggling with men and wrestling with God. And it all culminated in a career-ending injury And a life-changing blessing. Well, after that, things begin to settle down. Jacob enjoys a more passive pastoral life. He's a shepherd and a goat herder. And he's watching his sons grow up, 12 sons. Each one better than the other, especially if you line them up that way. So Reuben, you switch with Levi. And that was the problem. That family was afflicted with the dysfunctional disorder of favoritism. It had been a long-standing tradition, and Jacob perpetuated it. After all, most of his sons were an embarrassment. They were rough, violent men. They acted like a vicious street gang. They brought Jacob a lot of grief. But Joseph was different. You could tell by looking at him that he was special. His father must have been so proud. And that is an amazing coat. One of a kind. No doubt about it, Joseph was his favorite. And of course, that made him a target for his older brothers who already had blood on their hands. But they didn't kill him. They sold him to a slave caravan traveling to Egypt and then lied to their father claiming Joseph had been the victim of wild animals, maybe a pack of hyenas. And all that was left was his blood-soaked robe. Well, that was it. That was, that was the last straw. That was yet another devastating disappointment. So Jacob entered the terminal season of despair. He was heartbroken. His spirit was crushed. And his benediction was, few and evil have been the days of my life. I think that's from the King James. The NIV says, my years have been few and difficult. There were so many disappointments, so many disasters, so much grief. Jacob did not feel very blessed. And so he would die a broken man. But then we come to chapter 46, and we read that God speaks to him. Jacob, Jacob, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation. So what's happening here? What's going on? Well, while Jacob was marinating his spirit in the toxins of self-pity, God was up to something. You see, he was with his son Joseph in Egypt. And although he faced many dangers, toils, and snares, Joseph finally emerged as the agricultural minister responsible to help Egypt survive seven years of famine. And so when Jacob sent his sons to Egypt to buy grain, they met Joseph. And they eventually received his forgiveness, and they were reconciled. And they go back and tell their father the good news. Joseph. Joseph is alive and well. He wants to bring you with us to Egypt. Can you imagine that? I mean this shock was even, had an even higher voltage. Than when he woke up and saw Leah. This was too good to be true. How could this happen? Well because Because God is good. And he is faithful. And so this is exactly what you would expect. Because in the morning there was Joseph. Verse 4. I will go down to Egypt with you. And I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. And it says Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt. He took with him. Him to Egypt, his sons and grandsons and his daughters and granddaughters, all his offspring. Verse 29, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. And Israel said to Joseph, now I am ready to die. Since I have seen for myself that you are alive. Oh, wow. Jacob did not see this coming. He had no idea. This, was, this changed everything. He would even have to change his Facebook status. At the end of his life, Jacob had an experience so significant he had to totally reset his faith because of God's divine intervention. The undertow of self-pity and cynicism was gone. Now he could enjoy the updrafts of sufficient grace. Talk about a healing miracle. And in the next chapters, blessings pour out of Jacob's life like rivers of living water to his sons. And he realizes God always saves his best for last. And you know, We don't just say great for Jacob because this is our story. This is exactly what's happening in our lives, whether we recognize it, whether we notice it or not. Because many of us, like Jacob, will approach the end of our lives with wounds that have never healed. And we will remember all the disappointments, the unanswered prayers, the unfulfilled dreams. We'll remember how badly others have treated us and we'll also recall how unfairly we've treated other people. And we will taste the bitterness and the gall of regret mixed with guilt and our soul will be downcast within us. Yes, indeed, few and evil have been the days of our life. And like Jacob, in many cases, it's because there are family members who are lost, spiritually dead for many decades. And we've gotten weary, hoping for signs of life. It's never going to change. But behind the scenes, unknown to us, God has been up to something. And just as he promised, he has been working all things together for good. We didn't see it. We didn't notice it. All things together for good. He used the raw material of our defeats, of our failures, of our most embarrassing moments. He uses the pain of every unanswered prayer. God works all things together for good. That's what he's doing right now while we're sitting here wondering, is it ever going to change? Joseph told his brothers a very interesting thing in Genesis 50, 20. He kind of summed up his whole life and said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done doesn't matter what people intend doesn't matter what decisions are made by governments or anything like that there are a lot of bad intentions that we will be victimized by the only thing that matters is what is god intending to do about it yeah i know but i don't see anything i, I nothing seems to be changing well yeah Because that's sometimes how it is. The plan is still the same. I'm intending it for good. That's why Jesus still seeks and saves the lost. The good shepherd has never stopped looking for the strays. And he will continue until the green pastures are crowded with the lambs that had been snatched from the jaws of death. And it is going to blow our mind. How did this happen? I had no idea this was still possible. But he promised all of this in his word. In fact, Isaiah 61 is a preview of what your life in the future is going to be like. It's actually a job description of the Savior and a preview of coming attractions. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has send, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release for the prisoners. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Any of you need good news? Could you use some? To bind up the brokenhearted. Any broken hearts among us? To proclaim freedom for the prisoners? Do you need to be set free from something? And to comfort those who mourn? Do you need some comfort? That's what Jesus is all about. And it says, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Now that's what you call a major reset. You go from mourning to praise and from despair to gladness. That is a big change. What would it take to make that change possible in your life? But that's what's waiting for us at the end of this journey. And that's what God is working on right now. But it's mostly behind the scenes and in secret. There's no paparazzi. There's no media because the media is all documenting the enemy's work. And we all know what Satan has been doing. It's very obvious. But wait till you see what God has been up to. That is going to change everything. And you will be anointed with the oil of gladness. And you will wear a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Just wait till you see what God will accomplish. Now hopefully we will see this in the land of the living. That we will live long enough to see God restore and redeem the damage Satan has done. But in some cases, it it will not happen at the end of our lives. It will happen at the end of this age, at the end of the world. That's why Revelation 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. He will wipe every tear, every single tear from your eye. I can't wait for that to happen. That's significantly better than waiting for a vaccine. So we need to reset our faith to those coordinates. That's kind of what Jesus was talking about in the the parable in Matthew 13 when he said there was a farmer who sowed good seed in his field. And while he was sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and he went away. And the servants noticed and said, where did the weeds come from? An enemy has done this. Well, do you want us to to go and pull up the weeds, that would probably be the most meaningful solution. But the farmer said, no, 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 don't pull up the weeds. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until harvest. And then when we bring in the crop, You collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned and gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Right now the wheat and the weeds are growing together. But just wait till God separates them. Just wait till you see what God has been up to. Whether you knew about it or not. Because he promised As Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, he says, In my prayers for you, I always pray with joy, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's why we just can't wait to get to the end and see what God has done, what he's been up to, what he's been doing all this time. He who began a good work will carry it on to completion. Father, we thank you so much that you are at work right now. And we have to admit, we we have to be honest, we don't see it. Sometimes it seems like you're not really doing very much, it seems like the enemy is, is doing most of the damage and, and we're wondering what you're doing about it and we can't really see anything happening. And, and we get discouraged. And we wonder if it's worth keeping on trying. But Lord, this chapter in Genesis is an example of what you can do of what you are doing right now for all of us. And we look forward to the time when we too will see life come out of death. And we will look forward to the time when we will put on that garment of praise and our heads will be anointed with the oil of gladness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You to stand if you like. This is maybe unfamiliar.